morning. Today's daf is daf Ayin Ches. Um, today's shir is Le'ilu Nishmas Ben Zion Ben Ze'ev Avram Alevi, Shalom Ben Avram, and Yechil Moshe Ben Shabzai. May the Neshomas have an aliyah. Um, I'm going to go from the na- uh, 10th line on Ayin Ches, I'm on Aleph 78a. Um, remember yesterday's shir, um, well, we we were discussing walking through a river on on Yom Kippur and the day, the issue of walking through it. Uh, you know, we know you're not allowed to get any part of your body wet with water on Yom Kippur, but we brought various reasons why you would be allowed to cross a river on Yom Kippur. Um, for a mitzvah, I to go list, to go visit your rabbi, your your rav, um, for uh, to save yourself a financial loss etc., you're allowed to go and cross a river. Now, we then got distracted by, oh, you're actually allowed to cross a river even during the weekday, and we went on to that, uh, I don't know what, the, um, the, the river in the future that will come out, the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and uh, that, that mythical river, and we discussed that. And now the Gomorrah is going to ask a question, this, that you're allowed to cross a river, is it specifically because it's Yom Kippur? Or would you even be allowed to cross it on Shabbos? And the reason why Shabbos is an added problem is that, remember, on Yom Kippur, you're walking around barefoot. You're not allowed to wear shoes. But on Shabbos, if you cross a river wearing shoes, your shoe might get stuck or fall off, and you're going to pick it up to carry it. And therefore, maybe even though you're allowed to carry on Yom Kippur, maybe you're not allowed to carry on... uh, um, Maybe you're not allowed to carry, maybe you're not allowed to walk through a river on Shabbos. So that's what the Gemara asks. Shabbos the Ikam Min Almai. What's the regarding Shabbos? And you're wearing a shoe, can you still cross a river? So Amr ibn Nehemiah, Chasnei Devein Asir ibn Nehemiah, the son-in-law from the or from the household of the Nasi, Anna Chazisa Lerbi Ami Verbiasi, the Matu Urkama the Maya, Vavata Derech Malvush. I'm assuming by the fact he's telling the story and must be on Shabbos. I saw Rabbi Ami and Rabbi reach a pool of water and they crossed it while wearing their clothes. So, Tainach Minal, fine, that's all very well with a shoe. A shoe is on very um, firmly. What about a sandal? My Kalabaymar. So, Amir Rabbi Rechumai, Anna Chazisa, Ravina, Da'ava, Derech Malbush. I saw. Ravina, who crossed wearing clothes, wearing this sandal. Says Ravashi Omar, sandal chatchilalo. Ravashi says, however, you should not cross wearing a sandal. Um, so you should, be, and again, I guess the concern is a proper shoe will stay on. But a sandal, I'm not sure the exact difference of their types of shoes, but a sandal was more like a sandal. So that would be more problematic and you wouldn't be allowed to cross. The Reish Galusa, I don't know if we've mentioned it before, but the Reish, in Babel they had, uh, one of the things that they used to have was a Reish, um, was a Reish Galusa, and that was like the head, the I don't know what the right word, the, the chief rabbi, the governor of the Jewish community. Um, sometimes they were good, good people, sometimes they were better people, and sometimes they were politicians. Um, so that's the Reish Galusa. So he went to visit, but they generally, they were, it was a very powerful, respected position in the Jewish community. As I said, he was for all intents, and per, I think they were, they were generally also descendants from David HaMelech. So they were uh, 
in their blood they were rulers and they were generally held in high respect. He says, Reish Galusa Iklela Hargunya Lebei Rebi Nason. The Reish Galusa went to visit to Hargunya to the house of Rebi Nason. Rafram Vakula Rabon and Asa And it actually happened... Um, all Raphram and all the sages used to come there for Shir. And Ravina Lo Asa, Ravina didn't come to the Shir. Now, that's a little bit disrespectful to the Reish Galusa when the, the chief rabbis then, and you have to go there for the Shir. So the following day, Raphram wanted to show that Ravina wasn't disrespectful to the Reish Galusa, and he must have had a very good excuse why he didn't come to the Shir. Says says, why didn't you come to the shir yesterday? Says He says, my foot was sore. Says, Okay, so put on shoes and then it protects your foot. Says, no, it was the top of my foot. Says, oh, well then you should wear a sandal. That has just a strap. If you've got a sore, I guess, on the top of your foot by ankle, wear slippers, wear slops. You don't have an excuse. There's no, It says, well, there was a pool of water in the way and I couldn't cross it, obviously, on Shabbos. It says, well, you can wear, cross it wearing clothes. Do you not hold for what Ravashi told us that on Shabbos, you should not cross a pool of water in sandal, in a wearing sandal. And remember, the concern with wearing these sandals is that they might slip off and you'll come to carry it. So he was kind of, you can see he was forced, why he didn't really have a very good excuse to not come to the shir, but he did uh, have one nevertheless. Tani Yehuda Bargar Grugoyrois Osuleishev Al-Gabay Al-Gabay Tina Now he extends the Isur of Wearing um, of not getting wet on Yom Kippur quite far. I was very surprised to see this. We know you're not allowed to wash with water, and you couldn't put water. And let's say you're a bit hold, you're a bit hot. You can't splash your face with water, etc. That we that we know. But he says you can't even sit on mud on Yom Kippur. He says Amar Bishur ben Levi over tuna matapachas. He says obviously this is very moist mud. And Amar Abaya over tofech hamanas latviach. It has to be this mud has to be so wet that when you touch it, your hand gets so moist that it could make something else moist. So it's very wet mud. If it's uh, regular mud, then you would be allowed to sit on it. But otherwise, you would not be allowed to sit or put mud on yourself because it falls into the Isra of Rechitza on Yom HaKippurim. Om Rav Yehuda Mutali Stanen Bepeiros. Rav Yehuda says it's, you permitted to cool yourself with fruit. Right, so you can't cool yourself down with water, but take a, some fruit and put it on your skin to cool down. Rav Yehuda Mutali Kara Rav Yehuda used to actually cool himself down with a gourd. Rabbi Mithanen Biyanuka, Rabbi used to cool himself down with a child. And Rabbi Mithanen Bekasa Kaspa, and Rav used to cool himself down with a silver cup. Omar Rav Papa Kasa Kaspa, Mole also Chosa Shori. Rav Papa says, however, you would not be allowed to use a full cup. It would have to be an empty cup. Because if it's a full cup, we're scared that some of the water will spill over onto your skin. And then it says, the Paracha Adi and regarding a clay um, vessel, whether or not it has its full or just half full, it would be also the mishchal shachil because the, they pour us and the liquid comes through. And Rav Ashi, I'm just changing the gears a little bit. Rav Ashi, Omar Rav Ashi says, "Afilu kasa the kasper also namio the kasper chosur 
Nami asamishum demis dariv. You're not even allowed to use a silver cup that has a bit of water in because it might slip out and then the water will spill out of you. Silver is often, often uh, smooth and slippery and you might drop the cup and spill the water on you. So very interesting. What have we seen up to here? That there are, it's not an issue in cooling yourself. The issue is with water. And we go quite strict with anything that has water or anything that the water could spill on you and um, anything that could spill on you is a problem because of um, water. Sorry, it's a problem because of... Uh, yeah, it's a problem because you might get water on you, but otherwise to cool yourself with other means would not be an issue. And so if you just want a practical question, could you use... I'm trying to think where you get them, but like on the airplane they give you those face cloths to... Uh, Refresher tiles. Could you wipe your face with a refresher tile on Yom Kippur? So let's see the next piece. I think we might have an answer to our question. Zeira Bar Chama was the host of Rebbe Ami, Rebbe Asi, Rebbe Shua Ben Levi, and all the sages. They call sorry of of Caesarea. So it seems he, he had an inn, and at different stages, all the different Gedolim used to come stay there. It was the, it was the inn hotel for the rabbis, and they used to stay there. Maybe it had, uh, it had a good heksha, so all the rabbis used to stay there. Not sure why they chose he, um, but that's where they used to stay. Um, just on that uh, side comment, I said, well, maybe they all chose to stay there. I mean, in those times, they didn't actually have the concept of a heksha. And if you read... Remember, we always discussed it in Chulin and elsewhere, when you can rely and trust the innkeeper at the best of times. But they, but, yeah, but either way, they used to stay at this inn at him at, they used to stay at the Irabar when they used to come to um, Caesarea. And have Omer Lay, Rav Yosef, Braid Rabbi Shoben Levi. So he told Rav Yosef, Braid Rabbi Shoben Levi, Bar Arye, son of a lion. Let me tell you something special that your father used to do. I, I don't know if you know the following, but I've got something interesting to tell you. It says, He used to take a towel on Erev Yom Kippur. He would soak it in water and then wring it out. And the following day, he would wipe his face, hands and feet with it. Right, so now you can imagine if on Erev Yom Kippur you dip it in water and then you wring it out. By the following morning, it's quite dry. It's probably a little bit wet, but it's quite dry. And he used to use that on Yom Kippur. He says, Erev Tisha B'Av. On Erev Tisha B'Av. Now, why would Tisha B'Av come into this discussion? Because remember, Tisha B'Av has the same restrictions as Yom Kippur. Obviously, it's only a Isidra Bonan, but it has the same restrictions as Yom Kippur. You're not allowed to eat or drink, bathe, anoint. Neila um, Sasandal, wear shoes or Tashmishamita, you're not allowed to do any of those on Tisha B'Av either. So, but what would he do on Tisha B'Av? So the following days, uh, um, the following day, he would, um, sorry, on Erev Tisha B'Av, he would soak it in water, and on the following day, he would wipe his face, wipe his eyes with that towel. Now, Interesting, if you notice, by Yom Kippur he would wring it out first before leaving it to use the next day. And on Tisha B'Av he would 
he wouldn't wring it out. He would just he would just soak it in water and then leave it there and use it the next day. So why would he go stricter with wringing it out on Yom Kippur? So just on um. So it seems the one concern could be schita. We know on on Shabbos and Yom Tov you're not allowed to squeeze out a cloth from water. So on Yom Kippur, when it's a Yom Tov, he would have to be careful to not do schita. So therefore, he would wring it out on Erev Yom Kippur. On Shabbos, um, 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 but on Yom Kippur, on, on Tisha B'Av, there's no concern. So again, he would soak this towel in water, leave it sitting on the side, and then the following day, if he needed, he'd wipe his face with this cloth that had not been wrung out, again, oh, he might come to squeeze some of it out, that's not a problem. Now, I was a bit, I would have thought with that, that was the one answer I saw. But another answer I was thinking, which made more sense, is Yom Kippur is Daraisa, and therefore you have to go stricter than Tisha B'Av, which is only Darabonin. But on the other hand, as we'll see, there's logic to say the other way around. And not only that, um... May, uh, Isra Chitza, remember we discussed it a little bit, but it's a big discussion in the Rishonim, which of the Inuyim, which of the five afflictions are Doraisa? We know eating and drinking are Osur Doraisa with a penalty of Kores. So eating and drinking on Yom Kippur is very, very severe. The other four Inuyim, it's a Machloikes, are they also Doraisa? Or not even, but no Kores? It's definitely no Kores. Are they also Doraisa but no Kores? Or they only also Durabonin? But that's a side thing. So um, so maybe they also, so there's no reason necessarily to go stricter with these over Yom Kippur, except for the concern of Schitter. That could be an explanation to that version. I was thinking in my mind, again, up a, higher up on the page, we forbade someone to sit or to apply mud to their skin because that's similar to Rechitza. And here we're allowing someone to take a damp towel and wipe their face, wipe their hands. I don't know, that sounds more similar to Rechitza to me. But maybe it's uh, maybe it's like you know the the mud at the Dead Sea that everyone goes and rubs on their skin. It's a whole, it's more like a it's more pleasurable like a bath and a massage than just regular wiping yourself with a damp towel. Um, carrying on again with the story, we're going to see the other way around. So remember the host. This was the host. Zeira um, Barchama told. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi's son, what his father used to do. So he says, Ki also Rabbi Barmori, Oma Be'erev Tisha Ba'av Me'vi, Lo Mitpacha V'Sharo Sokamim Menicha, Umenicha Tachas Marashosov, Lamochar Makaneach, Ponov Yorov V'Raklov. When Rabbi Barmori came, he said on Erev Tisha Ba'av, they used to bring him a towel, which he would soak in water, and then he would just place it under his head, and the following day he would use it to wipe his face, hands, and feet. So it's Be'erev Yom HaKippurim, Me'vi, Lo Mitpachas V'Sharo Sokamim, V'Oso Sokamim, I mean, Kalim, sorry, did I skip one? No, this is right. And they would make it kamin kalim the guvim. He would ring it out to lemachom avir al kapeinov. He would pass it over his eyes. Okay, very similar to the previous version. Omer le Rav Yaakov le Reb Yirmiyah bar Abba. Rav Yaakov said to Reb Yirmiyah bar Abba. Sorry. I lost the place. Omar Lay Rebi Yaakov, the Rebi Yirmiya Bar Tachlifa, Ibcha Martlon, 
You actually told us the other way around and we rejected what you were saying from because of schita. Uh, he said on Erev Tisha B'Av they were stricter and they would ring it out. But on Yom Kippur they would not ring it out. So very interesting. Up to here the two versions. We had very similar versions. But basically on Erev Yom Kippur they would soak it in water, ring it out. And then leave it, and the next day they would use it to wipe their face. Not a problem, and that was fine. And then the second, on Erev Tisha B'Av, they wouldn't bother to wring it out. Wring this towel that had been soaked in water out. And now we have this one sage who said the opposite way around. He said, Reb Yirmiya Bar you told us the opposite way around. That on Tisha B'Av they used to wring it out. But on Yom Kippur, they didn't bother to ring it out. And he says, now why would you go strict on Tisha B'Av then Yom Kippur? So again, it makes sense to go strict on Yom Kippur, as we've said. But why would you go stricter on Tisha B'Av? So the... It was a Rashi or the Tosfos Yashonim. Um, can't find it now, but I saw in one of the commentaries, I think it was Tosfos Yashonim, said that because sometimes there's a concept of also Chizuk Ledivrayim. Strengthening their words. Sometimes we go stricter with Isurei de Rabbonin than we would with Isurei de Orisa because we want to strengthen. People often are dismissive. Oh, it's only Isurei de Rabbonin. Let's not be so careful. Oh, it's only. But here we want to be stricter, so therefore we make this rule. Um, however, that can't be because as we pointed out, and as the Gemara says, well, it's been a schita, we challenged him, but there's a concern of schita on Yom Kippur, we really worried if you have a very wet towel, that you might wring it out, and squeezing the liquid out on Yom Kippur, is the issue of schita squeezing out, it's a question, I think we generate, you can discuss, which of the 39 malachas is schita of a cloth, if I remember correctly, Tosas actually learn it's an aspect of washing clothes, it's part of the washing, it's not, but either way, that's a discussion, which, what, what, what is schitter, but it would be also because of schitter, therefore it makes most sense that on Yom Kippur they would wring it out, on Erev Yom Kippur they would take this towel, dip it in water, wring it out, but the rest of the time they would not be concerned. Um, carrying on, Omar Rebbe Menashe Bar Tachlif, Omar Rav Amram, Omar Rabbi Bar Chana, Shalwes Rebbe Elazar, Zokain V'yoshev Um they asked Rebbe Elazar, so there were these sages sitting around the Ash Rebbe Elazar. Zokain v'yoyshe b'yeshiva. If you have a sage from the Sanhedrin. Tzorich lito rishus lahatri b'chores. Oh, ain't not tzorich. Did he have to get rishus to permit b'chores? Or did he not have to get rishus? What does that mean? So interesting, there's two aspects to this question. One is obviously you need a certain level of Talmud Chacham to Paskin Shalas. And remember a b'chor... After, once the Bechor has an injury, it just becomes regular property. It's not, it's a Korban. And then if it gets an injury, it becomes regular property. And the Kohen can just eat it as usual. Now, to Paskan those Shalas, it seems you have to ask a certain Rav. Now, that Rav had to have permission from the Nasi to Paskan those Shalas. It was kind of a... You needed a certificate, you needed a heksher from the Nazi to say that you could pass on such shilas. And, and that was... Um, um, so that's the question. Does a, does a sage on the Sanhedrin have to worry about that?
And we'll explain the question. He says, my kami boiler, what exactly is their question? He says, no, hachi kami boiler, they're asking as follows. Ki hoda omar avidi baravin, dover zeh honichu lahem labayna siya, kadeliz karabot, sorich litorishus. They gave this that you need to get permission from the nasi to paskin shalas of bachor is to give honor, to elevate the status of the house of the Nasi. But maybe, or maybe you'd say, since he's a, one of the sages of the Sanhedrin, ain't sorry he doesn't need it. So Omar Rebbe Tzorok ben Chaluka, Omar Rebbe Tzorok ben Chaluka, Al Raglov, Rebbe Tzorok ben Chaluka stood on his foot for Omar Aniro Isis, Rebbe Yossi ben Zimra, Shezok and Rebbe Yeshiva Havei, I saw Rebbe Yossi ben Zimra, who was one of the sages on the Sanhedrin, for Omar Bamala Mizikno Shelzeh, and he stood up before the grandfather of this one, and he took, he got permission to permit Bechoros. So what do we see? No matter how great the sage is, out of respect and to elevate the status of the base Nasi, you have to get permission. He says, no, you got the whole story mixed up. That story had nothing to do with permitting, with permission to permit Bechoros. Rather, Rabbi Yossi ben Zira Kohen Hoya. Rabbi Yossi ben Zimra was a Kohen. Bahachi Komi Boile. Halacha Kerebi Meda Omer Choshud Bedavar Loi Danu Velomeida. If you suspect someone with something, he's not allowed to be a judge. Rabbi Meir says you're not allowed to be a judge or testify. Or Dilma Halacha Kerebi Shimon Gamil, the Omer Neeman, who I'll shell Chavera Vainu Neeman, I'll shell Atmo. Rabbi Shimon ben Gamil says no. We trust him regarding other people's property, but not his own. What's the question here? Remember, a kohen is given a bechor. If, as long as it doesn't have a mum, it's a korban, and he can't do anything with it because we don't have a base amidash. As soon as it gets a mum, well then, um, once it gets a mum, then he can eat it, treat it like a normal animal, and eat it as he normally would, or do what he normally would with it. Now, yeah, I think eat it. Um, now there's a machlokes, Rabbi Man, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, granted we won't trust him to pask in his own shala, because he's too invested in it. He's not gambadavar. Obviously he's going to look for the most lenient, likely. We can't, obviously we're going to suspect and suspect him of a little bit of trickery if he paskins and says, no, this Bukhar has an injury. But what about his friend, the Kohen, who has a Bukhar? Is he allowed to trust for him? Rabbi Meir says, we do not trust him to judge or testify in cases regarding Bukharas because we don't trust Kohanim to Paskin Bukharas. And Rabbi Shimon Gamil says, no, that's only when it's for, his, for himself. But for his friend, he's not getting any financial gain when his friend gets the animal. So therefore we do allow him. So they were asking, what's the halacha like? And they passed unto him that the halacha is like Rabbi Shimon Gamil. It says, Then another question. And this is why we brought this discussion here. They Remember we said there were these sages sitting around. And um, that they asked Rabbi Elazar. And this is the second question that they asked Rabbi Lazar. See, the two kami who they further they asked, Mahu kipurim. Are you allowed to go out with a reed sandal on Yom Kippur? What's the question? We know on Yom Kippur you're not allowed to wear a leather shoe, a mina, a, a mina, a leather shoe, a shoe. However, what about, do we limit it to that definition of a shoe, the most technical, strict definition of a shoe, which is a leather shoe? Or do we extend it to any article that you wear on your foot, on your feet? 
What's the halacha of shoe? And this is a very practical question because nowadays many people don't ever wear leather shoes. Even on Shabbos, their shoes are fake leather or people wear tackies or, you know, all these different materials. So what, is it limited to leather shoes or is it any shoes? So Omar Rabbi Yitzhak Bar Nachmani Araglov, Omar Rabbi Yitzhak Bar Nachmani stood on his feet and he said, Ani Roisius Rabbi Yishua Ben Levi, Shiyotza Besandel Shil Shambi Yom HaKippurim. I saw Rabbi Yishua Ben Levi walk out with reed sandals on Yom HaKippurim. Va'amina lay betanis tzibumai. And I asked him, what about on a communal fast? Ah, uh, this is, um, what about a communal fast? I, they used to have a series of fasts for rain. And at a certain stage, if rain hadn't come by a certain time, the fasts were a very strict level. So he asked him, on these, in these fasts, would you be allowed to wear reed shoes? Are you not allowed to wear, it's the same as your kip, you're not allowed to wear shoes. He says, says, it makes no difference. Ah, you can wear reed shoes, whether on your kip or a regular fast. This is where I saw the Tosfos Yashanim. Remember I mentioned earlier, why would you go strict on Tisha B'Av than you would on Yom Kippur. Now, as I pointed out there, it wasn't the discussion there was more to do with schitta. Using this damp cloth to wipe your face on Yom Kippur or Tisha B'Av was schitta. But I said maybe I, I would have, I thought to suggest that it's because Yom Kippur is stricter and it can't be. Um, and why would it be the other way around, etc. But here's where the Tosos Yoshanim says, he says, why, if you can wear a reed shoe on Yom Kippur. I'm wondering if, I mean, a lot of tackies are what's called canvas. I wonder if this reed shoe is more like that. But either way, you're wearing this reed shoe on Yom Kippur, obviously you could do it on a Tanis Tzibur, which is only Durabonim. So the Tosas Yashonim asks, and he says, no, perhaps the logic is, um, these fasts are only Durabonim, therefore we have to be a bit stricter with them so that people are more careful. That's the, that was the concern. So he says, so, Rabbi Babachana Nirus, yes, Rabbi he says, Rabbi Barakhana said, I saw Rabbi Lezer from Ninveh, and he used to wear, he was wearing a reed sandal on a communal fast. And I asked him, what about Yom Kippur? And he said, there's no difference. Same aloha, it would be permitted. Rabbi Yehuda used to go out with these certain reed shoes, Abaya Nofeik Bidahitsu, Abaya used to go out with shoes made from certain palm branches, Rava Nofeik Bidivli, Rav used to go out with grass shoes, Rava Baravhuna, Korich Sudra Kari Vinofeik, Rava Baravhuna used to wrap cloths around his feet and go out on Yom Kippur. So we see all these sages used to wear, as long as it wasn't a leather shoe, they were fine to wear it as a shoe on Shabbos. Oh, on Yom Kippur. And it almost seems up to here that it is the strict definition of shoe and only a leather shoe would be a problem. Now they're going to challenge us. It says, on Shabbos, an amputee is allowed to go out with his wooden foot. That's Rabbi Meir's opinion. Our assumption is that because it's a shoe, it's his shoe, therefore that's why he's allowed to go out with it. The Tani Olav is Shavin She also lots says Baba Yom Kippurim, and both agree. Sorry, Rabbi Yosi Yosi Rabbi Yosi says he's not allowed to wear this wooden shoe on Yom Kippur, and the reason is must be because it's not considered a shoe; it's considered carrying. The Tani Olav is Shavin She also lots says Baba Yom Kippurim, and they both agree you're not allowed to wear it on Yom Kippur. Oh, why would you not be allowed to wear it on Yom Kippur? Must be because 
it counts as a shoe regarding Yom Kippur. So Amr Abayin Ahasam to Isbe Kesisinu Mishum Tanik. No, there it's because there's all these cloth, soft rags in the shoe, and therefore it's very pleasurable. Aye, so in general, a wooden shoe wouldn't be a, a wooden shoe would not be a problem, but a wooden shoe with rags in would be a problem. Says Amalei Rava Vei Lav Mi Mana Hu Kesisid Mashvilei Mana. He says, that doesn't make sense. Either you hold a wooden shoe as a shoe, or you hold it's not a shoe. And if it's not a shoe, why would rags make it a problem? Why would these ketitin, soft pieces of material that he puts inside for comfort, make it a problem? Oh, that's, that's more to do with there, because there's also a question of when it's makabal tumah. But otherwise, are you telling me that any enjoyment besides Neila Sandal is also awesome. We know that Rabbi Baravuna used to wrap his feet in, um, in rags and go out. I, we see clearly on Yom Kippur the issue is wearing shoes. It's not just the enjoyment factor, it's the wearing shoes. As we know that the sage used to wrap his foot in cloths. He says, And secondly, from the latter clause, it says, if it's hollow, the ketitin, the cloth, can become tome, which implies that the ratio is where there were no ketitin asking. And I, a buyer wanted to explain, let's not just get too caught up in it, but a buyer wanted to explain the first part of that Mishnah and Shabbos as where there were these soft rags. And therefore it's very comfortable, and that's why it's Osir and Yom Kippur. Rava raised a whole list of questions. This last question is that, wait, no, because the next clause says, if they're katitin, implying that that clause, there were no katitin. So Abayah's answer doesn't work. Not only that, where do we see that getting enjoyment is Osir? So he says, Actually, everyone holds that it's a shoe that is Osir on Yom Kippur. Uh, this wooden shoe of this amputee is considered a shoe and it's also in the Kippur of a Shabbos. Behold, and on Shabbos they argue in the following. The one opinion holds on Shabbos, we're concerned that the shoe would slip off and he would come to carry it. And the other opinion says, we don't make such a Okay, so that's the conclusion of wearing other shoes. We've at least seen three types of shoes. Reed ones or cloth that you wrap around your foot that most of the sages were okay with. Leather shoes that everyone agrees is a problem. And what about a wooden shoe? It seems that Rashi learns that the wooden shoe is more stable, more firm, and therefore it's a more like a real shoe and would be Osir on Yom Kippur. So let me just check something. Um, yeah, that's what Rashi says, because Rashi says, he says, this wooden shoe, he says, um, Reeds and grass shoes do not count as shoes. If you were paskening based on Rashi, I would assume, or I would, I would lean to say that it's Osur to wear tackies or other types of shoes on your Kippur that are proper shoes. Okay, that's a, but however, there are many other issues, and I'm not going to go through, but just the one other popular opinion is basically the Milchamos, that's, that's the Rambam. He writes a commentary on the riff, that's one of the halachic commentaries on the back of the Gomorrah. We don't have time to go into it properly now. But the riff wrote a commentary on the Gomorrah. Then there's the Bala Ma'or, who writes, argues on the riff. And then there's the Milchamos Hashem, the Ramban, the Ramban, 
came and uh, Nachmanides came and wrote a defense of the rift, fighting Hashem's battle. And in that, so, so it's a halachic commentary. And there he says that basically we see from Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi and all those lists of Amoraim that they didn't care about wearing other types of shoes and therefore it would only be a problem of leather. And uh, I think that's strictly how we paskin. We paskin that really it's only leather shoes that are a problem. Therefore you can wear... Um, other tackies and crocs and all these other shoes, even though they're comfortable. Um, I have heard rabbis who say that you rather shouldn't. You should rather wear slippers or something that is not so comfortable, not proper shoes that are like tackies. Maybe they choshesh for rashi shitta. And as I said, I didn't get a chance to look into all the other him. But like I said, I think we primarily we pask in that it's only leather shoes that are a problem. Um, again, it's a good question and a good thing to think about in general. So we know that there are these five types of Yinuyim, these five afflictions we undergo on Yom Kippur. When do we extend them to, to say that all enjoyment is Osir? And when do we say, no, other enjoyment is Mutar? And these sugyas that we've seen, like wiping your face with a damp cloth or uh, wearing other types of shoes, would touch on that question to find the balance. Like I said, I once had a, a debate with a friend. Uh, well, he, he, he was telling me about a debate he had with someone. Are you allowed to take some like tablets or rehydrate on Erev Yom Kippur, which will make your fast much easier? You're supposed to afflict yourself, but what's the framework of that affliction? Do you have to really suffer during the fast, or if you have an easy mutter way out, should you take it? Okay, so that's, as I said, a sad, interesting discussion to think about with these Inuyim regarding Yom Kippur. Okay, now the Gemara continues and says, A child is permitted to all of the Inuyim except for wearing shoes. I, what, what aspects of Yom Kippur do children have to keep? So they can, they can eat, they can drink, they can wash themselves. They're only not allowed to wear shoes. says, Why should wearing shoes be any different to the others? says, Domarinchi Abdullah says, no, because people see a child wearing shoes, they say their parent must have put the shoes on. And that's the problem. The problem is, it seems that the discussion is, in general, a child can do what they want. A young child under the age of Hino can do what they want. However, a parent is not allowed to give them or make them do something that is awesome. So that's, uh, that, that's, I think, the simple way of understanding this. So if you see some, a child wearing shoes, you're going to assume this parent put on the shoes, which is now making the child break Yom Kippur, which is a problem. So the oh, if you see a child with hand cream on, you're going to say that their parent did it? Yeah, you're not going to assume the child did it by themselves. He says, oh, no, says, no if you see him, a, a clean, a shiny clean child, you're going to say he was bathed yesterday, or the cream or the oil that's on him, you're going to say that was put on yesterday. He says, oh, well, we can say the same thing. Sandal nami, So too with his shoes, you'll say that he put them on yesterday. He says, no, sandal omer shmuel, it can't be that they would put on the shoes, that he would be still wearing his shoes on the day of Yom Kippur from Erev Yom Kippur. Why? Because um, Shmuel says, if someone wants to taste death, if someone wants to put themselves in a very dangerous uh, position, the he should put on his shoes and go to sleep. I see. You must never, you must never go to sleep wearing shoes. Okay, so so the difference we've said at the moment is that by shoes you will assume his parents put them on on Yom Kippur, whereas if you see him nice and clean, you'll say, okay, he was bathed on Erev Yom Kippur. 
he had a bath before Yom Kippur, which is very reasonable. I think what it says, Avahomu Tarin Lechatchilaktani, that can't be, because the Bible says it's Mutar. All the other Inuyim are Mutar. Ah, you can do them. Not saying that the, the, the question's not when were they done and what will people think and say, etc. The question is, are you allowed to do it on Yom Kippur? Are you allowed to wash a child on Yom Kippur? Says, and, and the Mishnah, the Brisa taught, Mutarin, you are allowed to. Lechatchila. Says, Ela Hanaf, the love Rabbi Saihu, Says, no. So these, the ones that are not essential for his development, the rabbis made a decree that you're not allowed to. But Hanaf, the Rabbi Saihu, but these others that are essential for his health and his development, Loi Gozrubahu Rabbonin, the rabbis did not make Xayra. So eating and drinking, um, Washing himself, all those things are essential for the child's health. He's allowed, to, or development you're allowed to do on Yom Kippur. Wearing shoes is really neither here nor there, and therefore the rabbis made a that he can't wear shoes on Yom Kippur. The Amr Abaya, and where do we see this? The Amr Abaye, Amrli Aim, Rivisayu Duyanuka, Maya Chamami Umashcha. Abaya says, Mother told me that for a young baby's development, he always needs hot water and oil. He always needs to have a good hot bath, warm bath and uh, be uh, anointed with oil. I'm interested in who's Abaya's aim. So we know Abaya was an uh, orphan. Whenever he says aim, and we always, throughout Shas, we read about these pearls of wisdom that Abaya quotes his aim, his mother saying, were actually his nurse, the, his foster mother who raised him. He was adopted by his uncle Rabba, um, and uh, aim was his nurse who raised him. And he's always quoting these wisdoms. So he says a baby for their development needs hot God or Purta when he grows a little bit more, but it's essential to have egg and kuta for his health. God or Purta, if he grows a little bit older, Tovurmane, he needs to, you need to let him go wilder, but you need to let him break Kalim. So that's also part of his development is a child reaches a certain age where you just have to let them break stuff. Ki ho de like we know, Rabbi bought, um, Rabbi bought old cracked uh, clay vessels for his children to break. Okay, so that's the, and that concludes that part of the discussion. We now go on to the next quote from the, the Mishnah. It said, an exception to those who were allowed to break, um, were allowed to wash their face or anoint their faces. A king and a bride can wash their face. So, who's the author of our Mishnah? So, we're going to bring a bride. So that brings two opinions. Rabbi Hanina ben Trajon, here it must be Rabbi Hanania ben Trajon. Tatania, as we learned in the Bride, a king and a bride are not allowed to wash their face on Yom Kippur. Rabbi Hanania ben Trajon, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Hanania ben Trajon said in the name of Rabbi Eliezer, no, a king and a bride can wash their face. And then we carry on. A woman who's recently given birth is not allowed to wear shoes. Rabbi Hananya ben Trajon, Oyme Mishum Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Hananya ben Trajon says in the name of Rabbi Eliezer, A chaya, a woman who's just given birth, can wear shoes. Oh, my timer. What's the reason? Why, why is there a distinction? Why is there a machloikes here regarding a king, a, a king and a queen? A king and a bride and a woman who's just given birth. So regarding a king, by a king it says, in his beauty you shall always see him. I, a king has to always be seen in looking his best and therefore he's allowed to, he must wash his face 
He's allowed to wash his face on Yom Kippur. Color my time. What's the reason regarding a bride? Says Bala, so that she doesn't become um, unpleasant in her husband's eyes. The first, as we're going to see, it's the first 30 days. We're very concerned about her appearing and developing a fondness in her husband's eyes. So she's also allowed to wash her face. And Omar Rav, how long is she considered a bride for that she's allowed to do this? So As we learned in a brisa, this is in another total difference discussion, but if you have a bride who's in mourning, who's generally a mourner, is not allowed to, she's considered a bride for 30 days from her wedding. So that's how long she'd be a bride that she can wash her face, even on Yom Kippur. And a woman who's just given birth is allowed to wear shoes out of and to protect her from the cold. And Omar Shmuel in Machma Sakona Akram Mutar, and Shmuel says, as a, it seems a very sad point, I don't know why it's like kind of brought as a follow on from the Sugya, that if you're scared because of scorpions, then obviously you can wear shoes. So in, um, not only would, if it's dangerous, like a Chaya, a woman who's just given birth, or you're worried about scorpions, then you would be allowed to le- uh, wear shoes. Okay, and I think let's leave it here for today.